Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Progressive Mind Center podcast. This is Tom, and I'm a therapist at the Progressive Mind Center. For more information, go to promindcenter.com. And please feel free to leave a review so it helps us improve and get better. I have a great show for you lined up today. I'm going to be talking about transgender youth. And actually, I'm providing a presentation coming up this Saturday, so I wanted to kind of uh, give some of my thoughts and and provide my podcast listeners with some of the information too. Now, I run a private practice uh, with a business partner, uh, Dr. Terry Prescott, a psychiatrist, and we have seen a number of uh, transgender um, uh, adolescents come through our facility, and we've done a lot of research on, you know, how to effectively treat and help and be a part of um, and link that with our, our current clinical skills and our ability to be compassionate and open and understanding um, and be accepting, not necessarily agreeing with, but just moving towards being able to be there and meet the person where they're at. So without further ado, let me kind of go through this, and I've titled it Transgender Youth, Finding Love, Peace, and Acceptance. However, it doesn't have to be just with adolescents because there are a number of psychosocial stressors, psychiatric issues, and all-around um, concerns involving the transgender community. And now this podcast is really geared towards the clinician or the healthcare provider, and it's not uh, for the transgender community itself. It's for us gaining a deeper understanding and maybe some insight into our own uh, current biases and uh, and issues that we might have or our own openness and uniqueness and where we could potentially help. So transgender youth, finding love, peace, and acceptance. The following are some things that you would absolutely need to know as a clinician healthcare provider. Uh, suicide is the third leading cause of death among adolescents in the U.S. The LGBTQ youth are more prone to suicidal ideation. And there are some important uh, suicide prevention hotlines and projects um, that you can, of course, uh, email me if you'd like more resources on that. But it's important to recognize some of the signs and symptoms if you feel like a loved one or somebody that you know, a friend or what have you, is in uh, uh, trouble or in danger or in crisis, that uh, don't feel like you're going to lose their friendship by reaching out for some help and support. I think that that's probably one of the key takeaways from this today. Uh, other things that you would absolutely have to know is to check your own biases. Uh, what are the lenses that you are looking through? And our lenses are really the things that um, uh, we have come to know, things that we have learned about the world and how we interact with the world. And we have specific lenses that we see the world through. And it's important to be able to take those off from time to time, or at least recognize what you're looking at. And then... Uh, try to look at the world maybe from the perspective of somebody else, in particular somebody who is transgender, and use them as the expert in their life. You know, somebody who is transgender, I'm sure this has been going on for a long time, and they have done extensive research on it and talked with people and chatted and used the availability of the internet to find more resources. And so they're pretty much an expert on the topic, so it's important to ask them for more information. Uh, 
it, 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 this is not necessarily a phase. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues, especially in adolescence is this while they're, they're struggling and they're trying to identify who they are. And this is true of adolescence. Um, but being transgender comes with a whole host of stressors involved. And it's not something that somebody would just readily identify with, oh, that's the thing that I want to jump onto. Um, so, and we do know as well, uh, to play the devil's advocate that the adolescent brain has really not fully developed. It's not until age, you know, 21, 22 or 24 that our brain is finally done, uh, firmly developing. So something else to kind of take into consideration, uh, also that there's a difference between sexual identity versus sexual orientation. So somebody, uh, identifying as a male or female, or as maybe both or being fluid, um, does not equate to necessarily what their orientation is. They are attracted to certain uh, types of people and also certain sexes. And that's not going to change regardless of how they identify themselves. Um, and also think about the impact of our society's gender roles and how that may uh, influence them. You know, if a, a male is traditionally the person who uh, is physically strong and uh, provides for the family and uh, is more silent and not in touch with their feelings, then that would be the expectation. And so if somebody is female, they're, you know, uh, encouraged or, or, you know, seen as, as hopefully in the gender roles being more uh, subdued and, you know, um, the 1950s cleaning the house and, you know, raising kids and, and things like that. But those are not true uh, today. But it's unfortunate that we still have those gender roles. And, and I know that they're there for a purpose. It's how our brains work. We have to identify things and categorize things in a certain way. There is, of course, a lingo within the community. Uh, and these are some things that you can uh, look up. I'm not going to go into the deep definition of them. But there's LGBTQ, which actually stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. Uh, transgender, there's cross-gender, there's variant, and this is not a comprehensive list uh, by any means. Gender non-compliant, non-conforming, gender fluid, cisgender, gender identity, gender expression, and trans boy or trans male and trans girl or trans female. And uh, I think the important distinction just uh, with regards to those two is that trans uh, boy or trans male means that the uh, person uh, biologically was born a female and they're transitioning into the uh, male uh, or vice versa. So if someone says I'm trans male, it means, well, they were biologically born female and they're transitioning into becoming a male. So those and many, many, many other terms are there. So I think it would be important just to kind of uh, briefly go through, do some of your own research and identify some of the terminology because that will be able to help you understand and talk to uh, using their language um, uh, just in a better fashion. Uh, let me briefly cover the environmental perspective versus the medical model. Now, myself as a social worker, you know, we look at the person in the environment. So we look at their social settings, their home life, school, work, friendships, relationships, uh, and we use interventions that are uh, evidence-based 
And probably the most uh, useful and most evidence-based practice uh, intervention is CBT, or cognitive behavioral therapy. And uh, I've used this with my own clients who are, in fact, transgender, and it has been extremely beneficial. I've also used uh, hypnosis. And uh, if you want to reach out, I can explain more about uh, how that has uh, helped. Um, but then there's the medical model, and the medical model is coming from our Western uh, medicine, where we look at signs and symptoms. There are medical professionals and medical experts, and they come up with treatment protocols based on clinical trials. They use also evidence-based practices, medications, um, and it's definitely a more reactive type of um, uh, intervention where somebody's coming in with some uh, issues, some signs and symptoms that they need treatment for. And so uh, the medical uh, community springs into action to uh, help um, mitigate those uh, symptoms and um, uh, remove some of the signs of uh, the illness. But it's based on that there's an illness, there's something that needs to be corrected. And so we're going to uh, intervene. And the medical model uh, states that we know what is right. Um, so this can be very uh, challenging for somebody who um, has issues with uh, being transgender or with their identity because, you know, um, the medical model may not necessarily see this as a problem. If everything else is good within the body, the, your physiology is functioning well, um, that, then why would we need to really intervene, you know, so... Um, that sort of uh, an elective or selective type of uh, intervention, you wanting to transition, you know, from uh, one sex to another. Uh, so there's uh, some concerns with the medical community that, you know, feel like this is not something that we need to focus time, uh, money, resources on. But uh, I have seen that clients who have gone through transitioning, first transitioning, uh, by themselves with dressing a certain way and and um, uh, being out there that this is what I am, this is who I identify as, and I'm transitioning into, you know, a, a different sex or being fluid or this is how, you know, uh, I want people to perceive me. Um, going through uh, such as like a hormone replacement uh, therapy has incredibly increased their self-esteem, their self-efficacy, and their ability to kind of function and feel like they have the quality of life that they want to have. And that was with the help of the medical community, where otherwise uh, they were just completely depressed and, and downtrodden and just did not feel like uh, themselves. So uh, I see that as uh, a valuable resource, having uh, medicine be able to help. Now let's talk about sexual identity. Now, gender awareness uh, really comes in by the age of two or three, you know, uh, and this is called gender identity, being a male or a female, and there's this awareness that comes up, uh, and kids start to understand the difference between boys and girls and how they want to identify themselves as uh, one or the other. Um, but some people think that gender identity is really biologically determined, um, uh, and some say it's a product of the environment. Uh, this is uh, an excerpt really taken from uh, um, an article from Nemours, um, and, and how kids start to associate certain behaviors, uh, gender roles, 
and how that's attributed to being male or female. Um, and then there's also culture that, you know, is thrown into the mix and what it means, you know, culturally and what it means uh, to be a male in that specific culture and how you're supposed to behave and how you react to the world also are our parents and, and how they interact with each other and how they interact with the world. All this information is just being, you know, um, put on uh, the child. And so they're trying to come to terms with all that. And sexual identity is just one of the things that they're trying to uh, be aware of and identify. Um, so it's important to look at, you know, like I said, from my perspective as a social worker, the, the entire environment and, and look at um, the behaviors in the family system itself. Now, of course, in psychiatry and psychology and in therapy, uh, clinical social work, we do mental status exams where we're looking at the, uh, you know, the, the person and their appearance, their behavior, their attitude, uh, their level of consciousness, their orientation, their speech and language, their mood and their affect, and then linking that up with um, what the information that they're presenting uh, with how their thought process is, the, the content of their thought, uh, whether they're suicidal or homicidal, their insight, their judgment, their attention span, um, it, their memory even, and their intellectual functioning in determining you know, maybe uh, a diagnosis from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh, the fifth one is the edition that we currently use. Um, and so I wanted to maybe just rip off a few uh, um, criteria for uh, a popular diagnosis uh, for uh, children who are, you know, identifying differently called gender dysphoria uh, in children. Uh, so here are some of the criteria. Uh, a, a marked incongruence between one's experienced or expressed gender and assigned gender of at least six months duration as manifested by at least six of the following uh, one of which must be from this criteria, um, A1. A1 states a strong desire to be of the other gender or an insistence that one is the other gender or some alternative gender different from one's assigned gender. Two, uh, in boys, assigned gender, a strong preference of cross-dressing for cross-dressing or simulating female attire or in girls, assigned gender, a strong preference for wearing only typical masculine clothing and a strong resistance to the wearing of typical feminine clothing. Three, a strong preference for cross-gender roles in make-believe play or fantasy play. Four, a strong preference for the toys, games, or activities stereotypically used or engaged in by the other gender. Five, a strong preference for playmates of the other gender. Six, in boys, assigned gender, a strong rejection of typically masculine toys, games, and activities, and a strong avoidance of rough-and-tumble play. Or in girls, assigned gender, a strong rejection of typically feminine toys, games, and activities. Seven, a strong dislike of one's sexual anatomy. Eight, a strong desire for the primary and or secondary sex characteristics that match one's experienced gender. Uh, once again, assigned gender is what they're actually assigned that, that because they were born a girl or born a boy, they have that assigned uh, gender, but it may not be what they ultimately identify with in the case of transgender. And B, the condition is associated with clinically significant distress or impairment in social school or other important areas of functioning. Now let's uh, specifically talk about some assessments, and this is, of course, geared towards 
uh, clinicians and other healthcare workers. It's important to go through these assessments when you're working with somebody that's transgender uh, outside of just kind of getting to know them and getting to know their language and their lingo and how they identify and, of course, using them as the expert. But uh, when there is an impairment of functioning, uh, this is where we can actually help uh, to improve uh, lives and uh, move towards um, therapeutic uh, interventions. So uh, one of the assessments is a safety assessment, and that's where you're going to look at managing if they're in a crisis, um, where do they need to go, what do we need to do, how can we effectively um, bring them out of that crisis situation. Look at their home safety. Look at the safety in their neighborhood. Is there current violence? in their neighborhood or at home, or is there abuse? What are their living conditions like? What kinds of support do they have or do not have? Also, their recreations. What kind of hobbies, leisure activities? What's their social scene like? How are they at relaxation? Um, What are their interests? And what are their interests in their community? There's a social assessment too, identifying uh, friends interpersonal relationships, their romantic relationships, if they're of that age, their social skills, um, how they're able to read uh, other social skills, and, and how are they able to communicate with others. Another important assessment is the trauma assessment. Now, I specialize in working with PTSD and trauma, and so uh, this is very, very vital because it can form you know, how the person uh, uh, perceives the world around them and identifying some of the triggers and some of the signs and symptoms that uh, can occur because of trauma. So it's important to identify uh, and to build a rapport with them so that you can actually talk about uh, traumatic events that have happened um, and their perception of those traumatic events, whether it was in early childhood or whether it was recently. And the psychological impact or the social uh, impact on um, them currently Was there some sort of abuse in their history, be it physical, emotional, sexual abuse? And then what are some of the things that have come out of that? Are there any uh, reoccurring thoughts, nightmares, flashbacks, identifying the triggers, the things that lead to maybe uh, physiological responses in them and and other psychological factors uh, in relationship to the the trauma? Uh, Also, Uh, especially for uh, adolescents and young adults, uh, doing a substance abuse assessment is really important to identify if there's any drugs that they're currently using or, in fact, abusing. Uh, Of course, looking at the types and the methods of the use, the frequency, the amounts, uh, the age that they first use, who else around them is using, you know, how involved are they, and then are there any uh, issues that are associated with use and continued use? Are there any financial problems or legal issues? Are there any physical or health problems? And are there any problems with the family? Does the family even know that they're uh, using? And this will lead into a psychological assessment, uh, looking at any symptoms of depression and anxiety. Are they currently experiencing any hallucinations, be it uh, auditory or visual? Are there any delusions uh, in their thought process? Look at their perceptions of reality, and is there any impairment of their functioning? 
and specifically in the case of uh, trying to intervene and help and especially assess crisis. Uh, all of these assessments can kind of lead up to uh, your clinical uh, uh, outcomes, but also uh, uh, overall risk assessment. Uh, are they currently having suicidal ideations? Do they have a plan? Uh, are they engaging in self-harm behaviors? Are there comorbid? Um, you know, are they also using a substance and have a dependence on that substance along with being uh, and having uh, gender dysphoria? And then uh, also... Um, depression or anxiety or bipolar or something and then or PTSD you know based on their trauma and abuse history and then looking at their family uh, history too is there any history of mental illness or substance abuse or medical issues or suicide uh, in the family now let's look at some psychosocial stressors and in particular at home uh, there may be and this is in regards to transgender there may be a lack of support uh, or a lack of trust, a lack of communication. There might be generational patterns uh, and a genetic predisposition to uh, not only uh, transgender, but also um, substance abuse, uh, to mental illness, and uh, maybe the family is just not as accepting. Um, and there, so there are tremendous arguments and struggles at home. And of course, you know, snap out of it and don't be. Uh, depressed? What do you have to be depressed about? Uh, these are just some things that I've kind of heard or been privy to. Um, but it's important to get a real full picture of what's going on and to uh, help identify what actually is happening. What are your stressors uh, at home? And then also, what are some stressors at school? Is there any bullying going on? Uh, do you feel like the teachers have their own biases and that you're feeling the brunt of that? And of course, is there discrimination uh, going on? Because these are all stressors that are, are inherent with the transgender community and specifically with transgender youth. Uh, also in the community, there's probably a degree of discrimination judgment from others, especially when, you know, you have some features that look like one sex, but you're dressing and carrying yourself like another sex. Of course, you're being viewed and looked at and judged. There's a pressure overall to conform because, you know, uh, people that have grown up and, and come to realize that this is how the world is, you know, this doesn't go along with how they view the world. So there is going to be that scrutiny. Uh, and of course, uh, our society has inherent our gender roles and we want things to be kind of black and white. And when things are gray, it becomes messy and uncomfortable. So here are some intervention strategies that I currently use and um, uh, I'm interested to find out what other clinicians have used with uh, specifically the transgender community. Uh, but as I said before, I primarily use cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, that with uh, also hypnotherapy, sort of a, a combined uh, effort. And uh, it's really designed to increase their coping skills, uh, improve communication, increase social skills, change their thought uh, patterns and especially attacking negative thoughts and just to be able to kind of uh, handle um, 
being faced with lots of judgment and scrutiny and discrimination. Uh, also, I've used family therapy, um, and that has been tremendously helpful for gaining support, gaining an understanding, and gaining uh, acceptance uh, so that the, the person who is identifying as being transgender can really find uh, peace and harmony uh, at home and uh, to be accepted, at least at the very least, uh, at home um, because they're not necessarily accepted uh, out in their community, out in society, and uh, out in school, out around uh, other people. Um, so uh, I've also uh, seen it be beneficial for group therapy um, for people that uh, of similar concerns or interest to come together and help each other out to support each other, you know, like-minded uh, individuals. Also, just psychotherapy and talk therapy in and of itself uh, can be helpful and allows, you know, the person to maybe vent some frustrations that are going on to learn about how their mind, how their psychology kind of works, how, you know, the typical mind kind of operates so they can kind of uh, judge whether or not they're, you know, functioning uh, appropriately or if they're or any issues, um, and to kind of talk about some past experiences and how they have potentially uh, impacted their way of um, coping or surviving or, or or have led to maybe some other issues, maybe depression, anxiety, uh, what have you. Um, also in psychiatry, uh, psychiatrists will look at uh, depression and anxiety and bipolar and other comorbid things uh, and maybe treat with medication such as mood stabilizers in particular with anxiety and uh, depression. There are also some uh, medical interventions, uh, and I'm not going to go to uh, much in depth into this, um, but uh, there are hormone blockers, uh, there are cross hormones, uh, hormone replacement therapy, and of course, there's even surgery too uh, that can be done. And, and these things can help somebody who's uh, transitioning uh, to, you know, feel more like their identified uh, sex, or at least feel more like themselves. And so, like I said, uh, specifically geared towards the clinician, that it is important to monitor as you're treating the, the person their symptoms, uh, to educate where you can, especially if it's an area that you have an expertise in, um, to be sort of uh, a liaison for them, maybe uh, a liaison uh, between them and their physician or their psychiatrist or, or their family. Uh, or their resources out in the community, and to just have positive regard for the person and do your best to help them have a better quality of life. Um, so learn, educate, uh, be supportive, be compassionate uh, out there. Let's unite our efforts in bringing about awareness, educating ourselves, advocating for those who cannot speak for themselves or stand up for themselves. Let's have unconditional positive regard and let's maintain uh, an air of non-judgment. Let's be supportive of one another, especially in this day, in this time when all this chaos is happening in the world. Let's move towards helping each other find love, peace, 
and acceptance, regardless of how they identify themselves or regardless uh, of their issues. Let's really work together um, because that's where you find uh, peace and harmony. And that's where you really find the love and the love, not necessarily a romantic love, but the love of being uh, in a place where I fit in. So if you'd like to learn more about uh, anything that we've talked about today, or if you're interested in other topics, please feel free to visit the website, pearlmindcenter.com. And on there is my contact information, and you can feel free to email uh, or call um, and reach out if you'd like to uh, gain some more uh, understanding or if you'd like to urge for a specific topic to be discussed on the show. Once again, this is Tom from the Progressive Mind Center, and you've been listening to the Progressive Mind Center podcast. You have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time. Take care.